Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello. It's so exciting to be concluding with you our series on Revelation. Uh, my name's Nick Drake, and I- I've been praying for this message today. It's one of the greatest passages of all Scripture, chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Revelation. So uh, you might want to get out, but in fact you do want to get out a Bible if you've got one or turn it on on your phone um, because we're going to be tracking through chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation. You want to have somewhere taking notes because we're coming expectant. We're saying, God, would you speak to me now? Would you speak to me by your Holy Spirit? So joining me now, I'm going to pray that that is what will happen for us now as you're grabbing your Bible. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We thank you for your presence. And we're hungry to be filled again with the life of Jesus and to be changed to look more like him. So speak to us now. Amen. Amen. Now, just before we get to the text itself, uh, we, we in our family, we've hit a real lockdown low in terms of our TV viewing. I, I don't know if you have. Um, we, we've ended up being addicted to a game show, and I'm not a game show person. Uh, just put on the chat if you're a game show person. Put it on the chat right now. I think it divides 50-50 whether you are or you're not. But we've hit a lockdown low. We've discovered this game show called The Wheel. Is anyone familiar with The Wheel? Yeah, The Wheel. It's, um, it's hosted by Michael McIntyre, who I think has also hit a lockdown low uh, in hosting such a show. Um, and uh, in case you haven't seen it, it consists of a contestant sitting on a chair in the middle of this room. And then some, let's, let's be generous and say C-list celebs, rotating round the contestant in the middle. And these C-list celebs rotate round and give answers, help the contestant answer the quiz questions. And, and we're loving the show. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and what the show illustrates in, is that everything revolves around the contestant. Everything about that game show revolves around the person in the chair in the middle. And today's talk is called See the Throne. See the throne. See the chair in the middle. Because everything in our lives must revolve around God's throne. Everything in our lives must revolve around what we see in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation. It's been called the most significant and central image in the whole book of Revelation and arguably the whole New Testament which is huge because we, we think maybe, you know, the passages of scriptures in the Gospels on Jesus dying on the cross, well, aren't they the central part of the whole New Testament? Well, yes, they are. But also here in chapters four and five of Revelation is something absolutely critical to how you and I live our lives. And let me say this, I've heard people preach on this passage and say, I'm telling you about this passage because I want you to be ready for heaven. That's not it at all. We're preaching this passage to affect how you live now. We're preaching this passage so that you see the throne, you see the chair in the middle and it makes you have, do you remember these two words from the start of our series? Wonder, wonder at who God is and worship and then faithfulness that you would walk out your daily steps based on see the throne, see the chair in the middle. This isn't about getting ready for heaven. It's living from heaven now. 
living from true reality. Now heaven isn't a place up there through these iron girders, through the clouds, out there in space. Heaven is here. It's a reality around us, another dimension. We can't see it with our human eyes, but the eyes of faith, with the power of what Jesus has done on the cross, with the Holy Spirit living in us, we live from the truth of what is found in heavenly reality. And that's the heart of the images in the book of Revelation, that it would affect how we live right now. So with an intro like that, let's get into the text. Okay, we're going to read not the entire chapter four or five, but a lot of it. So we're going to start with chapter four, uh, and then I'm going to pause before we carry on. So chapter four from verse one onwards says this. This is John uh, on the Isle of Patmos. He's um, being led by the Spirit in this vision. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speak to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the Spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. They're red stones, so it's like the image of fire almost a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. The rainbow, of course, this image of God's commitment to his creation at the time of Noah, an image of God's faithfulness and love for his creation and his promises. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. These elders are are representations of the people of God, of you and I. And they've got imagery coming from the seven letters that we've already looked at. If if you are faithful to Jesus and you overcome what comes against you, then you'll be a person of God in the presence of God like these elders. From the throne, verse 5, came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder, In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God, seven being the number of completion. This means like the Holy Spirit's presence completely. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. The sea in in, in the Bible is often a place of chaos, of things that threaten your life. And here, it's clear as crystal. It's clear, it's calm, it's clear as crystal, it's sorted. In the centre around the throne were four living creatures. This is where it gets a bit crazy. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These creatures represent all of creation, the noblest and most glorious of animal in every category, domestic, the ox, the lion, the wild animals, the most glorious, mankind, humankind, the pinnacle of God's creation and the eagle, the pinnacle of bird creation. So these represent all of creation being rightly harnessed and orientated towards praising the one who made them. Even the rocks will cry out, Jesus said. So this, we're going to stop there from chapter four and pause. This incredible image. And it begins right at the first verse with this image of a door standing open into heaven. 
That's where it starts. A door standing open into heaven. I want to draw out something straight away from here. Because this door is open into where? It's into heaven. Heaven is the central control room, the White House, Downing Street of God's operations in the world. Now, what do humans tend to do when they get power? Close the door. Close the door. They don't want you to see. We, we, I, we don't want you to see. We want you to stay away because we finally got power. But here, God's door is wide open. It speaks of two things, transparency of power and accessibility of power. That God's power is not something where you're not going to know what He's up to or why He does what He does. He wants you to come in. Come in, the doors open, come and see. You know what it's like, don't you, when you're um, excluded from the place of power. You know, maybe at work, or maybe even in this happens in friendship groups, isn't there? Certain in-group forms of your friends and, and you're the last to hear of what's gone on or why and you feel excluded, you feel marginalised, you feel shut out. But here, God's door is wide open. It's wide open, come and see. And the voice that calls you in to see the throne, to see the chair at the centre, is a voice like a trumpet, urgent. I don't know if you've ever sat next to a trumpet or been anywhere near it. It's urgent call. It's like, quick, come in. This is so important for you to see the throne room of God. It's so important for you to see and have a glimpse into the power centre of God. It's so powerful. You need to come and see it. It's so accessible. Come and see it. Come and see it. The door stands open. And what is seen there? Verse two. Verse two, the second thing we see is that there is a throne. There is a throne. And the people at the time of Revelation who John was writing to, the Christians, they so needed to know there was a throne. There was a throne in heaven. There was a throne. These guys have been suffering so badly 30 years previously under Emperor Nero. He, he'd begun to feed Christians to lions. Peter and Paul had been killed during this time. The early apostles, the early bishops of the church. And now in the, in, the, in the era of the book of Revelation, where we think it was written under Domitian, the Emperor Domitian, about 40,000 Christians we think had been killed. So the people hearing this, they needed to see the throne, they needed to know that when the door was open into the power room of God, they would see a throne and they would see that someone was sitting on it. Perhaps even right now, you need, that's all you need to know today. God is on the throne. No matter how things seem for you, God is on the throne. There is an ultimate justice bringer. There is an ultimate judgment bringer who is supremely good. And even when in this world things feel they haven't been resolved for you, things feel that you've been treated totally unjustly, there is one on the throne. There is one on the throne in ultimate reality who will deal with it for you. Trust in Him. You might need to let go of your own desire to deal with it, to get revenge or to do whatever you wanted to do. Trust and surrender to the one on the throne. See the throne. See that he's here. In verses three to eight now, we see that the one on the throne revealed is the creator God. 
the Creator God, the God of the Old Testament, the one who sent the rainbow, as I've said, reminding us of His commitment to us. Um, there is thunder and lightning coming from His throne, a reminder of, of, of His appearance on Mount Sinai to Moses. An appearance that seemed scary, and yet there's always that call to intimacy. Come close. I'm here, God says, because I want you in my life. Yes, I am other than you, but come close. Come close, and here it is again, the almighty God, and yet he wants to be close to us. And then in the rest of verses four to eight, we see the response of worship through the elders and the living creatures. This response of, of worship to the chair in the middle, the person on the throne and their worship never stops. It's going day and night. And I just love this. It's helped me so many times through my life. When you turn up to, to church, maybe when you've switched on online and it's time to gather with your other Christians and worship and everything in you doesn't want to. Everything in you is like, oh, I can't muster up much this morning. The truth in the text today is you're not starting worship. Luke and Mary, they're not starting worship for us. The worship never stops. The music never ceases in true reality that we can't see with our eyes, but it's right here. All the angels, all the saints, the living creatures, we just join in. We turn on the radio, we ask Alexa on and we're there in the throne room of God, carried surfing the wave of the elders and the, and the living creatures pouring out praise to Almighty God on the throne. Do you see the throne? Do you see the throne? Everything revolves around the throne. Everything revolves around Him. I've uh, been in the room with VIPs a few times. I don't know if you've ever been in a room with a very important person, very important person, okay? Now, th this can just be, you know, a, a girl or a guy you want to impress, right? That can be a VIP. So it doesn't have to be famous people. But I've had, um, when, when you're in the room with a VIP, everything revolves around them. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, everything like and, and you might not physically do this although I, I have like you kind of physically move around them like that you know you're, you're hovering your drinks you're talking to someone else but you, you're not changing your body from them because <laughs> you're desperate to speak to them you want them to come over to you everything revolves around them now this this kind of idea is epitomized if you've ever ate food with a VIP Okay, if you, now I, this happened to me twice. Um, we're very different people. I've had dinners, sat literally right next to the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin, in case you're watching, uh, and Miranda, the comedian, not at the same time, and very different people. Um, so I've sat next to both of these VIPs, and I can tell you this, food choice really matters. You don't want to be worrying about the food you're eating when you're next to a VIP because everything in you wants to be concentrated on them, right? You want to listen to them. You want to have clever things to say back to them. And a top tip, don't go for spaghetti, go for risotto, okay? Spaghetti, it splatters everywhere. You're trying to get it around your fork. Risotto, you just eat it easy, yeah? Just rice, shovel it in. You don't want to be thinking about food and the wrong things when you're in the room of a VIP. Everything must revolve around them. It's a silly example, 
but I'm trying to get to the heart of what is going on here, that everything revolves around the throne. To what extent today, this morning, is your life, is my life revolving around the throne? See the throne. See the one on the throne. Chapter five, we carry on. We carry on because this, isn't only, this is only half the story. I'm going to read some of chapter five, starting at verse one. Stay with me here. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So, so, so this scroll in God's hand, it says it's in His hand on the throne, Almighty God, but it means more like it's, it's upon His hand. So you can imagine the Creator God, Almighty God, on the throne in the middle, holding out His hand with this scroll. And the angel says, who's worthy? Who's worthy? And this scroll is, is, we think, is all of God's plans for creation, His kingdom coming and judgment coming. All of God's plans for creation, written on both sides, sealed with seven wax seals. And His hand, the hand of the Almighty, the right hand, the hand that freed Israel through the Red Sea, the hand of power and authority, is holding it to you, to me. It says, are you worthy? Are you worthy? Are you worthy to even look at this? And as I say that, I hope that's hitting you the power and the strength of God Almighty with all of His plans, His perfect plans, saying, who's worthy? Who's worthy? And we realise, much like Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, woe is me. We realise we're not worthy. This is the message of the gospel. Like We're not worthy. We're never going to be good enough to even look upon God's plans. Never mind, open the scroll. All the achievements that humankind has done, that we can walk on the moon, that we can create vaccines. And yet no one is worthy to look or touch God's plans for his creation, this scroll. Who can sort out the problems of the world? That's why John weeps. Who can sort the problems who could sort the problems of the world? And again, you might be feeling this this morning, who can sort my problems? And maybe you've reached the end, like who can sort this? And you're weeping like, John. And there's silence for a moment because it feels like no one can. But perhaps the greatest moment of hope in the whole of Scripture happens next. Verse five, one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David uh, has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. So there is someone, the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, a messianic uh, Messiah who's gonna come in the, in the line of King David. So this is a Messiah term referring to Jesus. There's a lion who's overcome, who can do this. And we think, brilliant. 
Well, this lion, what can a lion do? Well, he's strong, he's mighty. The lion, he can tear his enemies from limb to limb. That's what a lion does. Brilliant. That's the kind of God I want. He can sort it out like a lion would sort it out. Fantastic. And we might think, well, that's how I should be. I should be in the image of the lion. That's how I'm going to sort out my problems too. But then the greatest, as my kids say, plot twist, plot twist moment ever in all of Scripture happens now, verse six. So John's expecting to see a lion and he sees the throne and it says this, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, like wisdom and strength and power, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. The lamb, the lamb of God standing as though slain is worthy to take the scroll to take the scroll, the lamb. Do you remember John the Baptist when he sees Jesus coming to be baptised? He says, behold, look, see, the lamb of God, the lamb of God. And this word for lamb here in the text in Revelation, it's not just lamb, it's it's little lamb. It's, It's childlike lamb, small lamb. Lamb of God, Jesus. Why? Because the way to true power is the way of the cross. He's not gonna be like a lion, He's going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter, Isaiah 53. He's not going to utter a word as he takes on himself our unworthiness. He's going to go the whole way of obedience to the Father. Why? Because he saw the throne. Jesus saw the throne. He worked from the throne. He knew this reality and he followed it through to his death on the cross for you and for me. John sees a lamb standing because he's resurrected as though slain. His blood poured out on the cross for you and for I. And uh, Daryl Johnson calls this moment the greatest revelation of the book of Revelation, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, now stands where the Almighty sits. So we saw in chapter four that the Almighty Creator God sits on the throne. And everything revolves around him. And here in chapter five, we see the Lamb of God, Jesus the Son, standing right in the heart of the same throne. That they are both worthy of all our praise, of all adoration, that the throne of God is now a throne of God and of the Lamb. This is the heart of our worship and the presence of the Holy Spirit there too, the seven lamps burning, the completion and the complete presence of the Holy Spirit, our God three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are on the throne. And the reveal is that the heart of the Almighty God of all power in the universe, as His heart is revealed at the heart of the throne is a lamb slain. The heart of the most powerful person in the whole world is a heart that pours out red blood for you and for me to bring us close. It's a heart of love. It's a heart that's never changed. It's never stopped beating towards us since the Garden of Eden moment when He cried out, where are you, Adam and Eve? Where are you? I want you in my life. It's a heart of God that's never stopped from chasing the lost sheep in the parable of the lost sheep. It's the heart of God that's never changed. 
that He's all powerful and yet He's all love that pours out for us. There is no power like Him in all the world. Every other power wants to close the door and not let other people in, doesn't want transparency, doesn't want accessibility, wants to keep human power for itself. No other power is like Him because every other power won't love like love like the Lamb. It will work like a lion. No other love gets down low. No other power wants to serve others and get underneath and lift them up like the power of God Almighty revealed in chapter four and five of Revelation. Who is like Him is the cry of worship. Who is like you, O God, is the secret of all history, is the centre of everything, that this is foolishness to those who are perishing, 1 Corinthians, but wisdom to those who see the throne. Do you see the throne? Do you want to get with the Lamb's way? Do you want to open your heart to worship more and more and honour Him more and more today? It's God's genius way. And as this Lamb takes the scroll, praise erupts. Praise erupts as this Lamb takes the scroll. It's like that moment from a long time ago now, 2003 Rugby World Cup, when Johnny Wilkinson kicks the drop goal in the last minute. Praise erupts. Make your own analogy when you know that roar happens of yes. And this almighty worship erupts as we realise the way of God, that He is worthy of all praise. And as I come to land, we see now, that how ridiculous it would be for us to want the throne. How ridiculous would it be for you, for me to want the throne? It's like going to meet the Queen and sitting in her throne rather than revolving everything in the room around her. How crazy that we would clamour for the throne. But the temptation of humankind is to always take the throne. To, to, to say, well, God, get off the throne. I know what I'm doing. We, we, we think the way to power is to trump ourselves up rather than getting down low. And so I wanna end by encouraging you today to see the throne and to get down low. Get off the throne yourself. Is there any way where you need to get off the throne, where you're not king, you're not queen, and you need to come off it and get down low and submit once again to God Almighty, the Lamb of God, the Holy Spirit, the centre of the throne. And our passage ends with this song of praise, verse 30. It says, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And that Amen is our yes to God. So I invite you now to say that Amen to God as we go into worship together. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us I want to invite you to say afresh for the first time, maybe, amen to God, yes to Him. Yes to Him at the centre, to lay down anything else and to worship Him, to go deeper with Him.
So let's pray now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. We thank you for your presence here already. We pray for just a deepening of what you're doing. Everyone watching this, listening at home, wherever you are in the room here, Holy Spirit, come. And Holy Spirit, would you birth in us today a fresh revelation of seeing the throne, of seeing true reality as it is. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? And if there's anything we need to push aside, we need to lay aside to focus on the throne, to truly worship Him. And just have a moment just in your own space, just to get down low so that He would be high. You might want to physically do it if you're able. It might seem strange. It might just want to do it in your heart just to say, Lord, I, I want to get down low. I want to get off the throne. You, you deserve all praise. You deserve all glory. You deserve all honour. No one is like you. You alone are worthy, God. You alone are worthy, God. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.